the new generation of accounts are wanting to focus more on strategy and for good reason, right? You don't go to school, you don't get your CPA license to learn how to process an AR um, cash application. Like that should be automated. If we can rely on automation to do the mechanical work, the value that we accounts bring is our subject matter expertise and financial reporting. I think we all have to raise our hand and find automation opportunities that will help us reduce that workload. It's a top-down way of, of solving this, this issue. We're going to be transactional. We're not going to be a value center. We're so bogged down with mechanical tasks. We have to invest in technology. And it's up to us accountants to raise our hand. Dollars. Dollars. Meaning you work with numbers? Oh, it's so much more than that. Modernization. By streamlining the process. So let's get right down to business. And modern problems require modern solutions. Elementary, my dear Holmes. Elementary. Consider it done. This is The Closers. Well, welcome, Jotham. Thanks for joining me today. So excited that you're on with me. Uh, You know, you and I have had the opportunity to chat on your Accounting Life podcast. Um, And now I'm excited to have you join me here today to talk through some things in the accounting world, including some thoughts maybe on AI, which I know is a hot topic for everybody. Um, But we always like to start with a little bit of a a get-to-know-you segment just so that we can make sure all of our listeners kind of know a little bit more about you. So we're going to start the episode with our off the ledger segment to get to know you a little bit before we get down to business. So let's roll. Kind of curious, you know, post COVID, I love to ask this question. Um, Are you in the office? Do you work remotely? Are you hybrid? What does that look like for you today? Oh, good question. And and really excited to be here as well. And uh, love this part about my job, just getting to connect with the community and leaders like you. So thanks for having me. But to answer your question, post-COVID, I am still definitely mostly an office guy. Um, <laughs> started the profession 20 plus years ago, and it's always just been you know, a big part of like my my routine to go to an office and have that separation between like personal life uh, and work. And I think the physical proximity of my office too helps a lot. I only live five minutes away from from my home. Ooh. So <laughs> I'm jealous. That sounds like my commute from my bedroom to my office in the morning. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a secret. And um, if you're a founder and CEO of company, you may have a say in where your offices could be. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I like it. Well, I was going to ask where your desk is if it's in your home, but I guess since um, you're in the office primarily, you're in an office. Um, you know, we get some kind of funny responses when we ask about where your desk is at home. Um, so in the office makes sense. Now, I hear you're uh, quite the world traveler. I'm curious what the best place you've been in the last, say, year is and why? Um, world travel, traveler only because um, I, I being multicultural myself, so I'm actually half Chinese and half Filipino. Ooh. From a very early age, I know both are Asian countries, but from a cultural perspective, very different. And I think because I, I grew up in that type of environment, I've always been fascinated by different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question there, the most like to me unique and kind of like first time experience of, of um, yeah, this this type of culture was in, in Egypt. I, the Egyptian experience was incredible. That was about nine months ago. I did that uh, during Labor Day. Wow. Uh, but everything from the food, the sites, and the history, I mean, it's just incredible to think that certain structures were built like 
5,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago. Uh, in California, where I'm from, everything was built in the 1800s or later. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I thought that was very A little different. <laughs> a little different, a little different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just very stimulating in terms of like, you know, the different sites, experiences, food, um, and the desert too. I didn't know I would be so interested in like a desert type terrain, but I kind of did the Campbell writing experience. Uh, it was scorching hot, but all worth it. That sounds incredible. Um, never been, but now I definitely want to go. Um, now, I know you also have an affinity for cruise ships, which doesn't necessarily work in with a trip to Egypt, but um, tell me a little bit about why you like cruises so much. I'm going to have to get on my marketing team about that. They are misconstruing <laughs> what I meant by cruise ships. So I have to let out my secret now. And this is a, a hack. If you're a founder or a busy professional, my hack is... I go through waves of like very crazy periods, right? Where I'm working Mm -hmm. a lot, you know, burning the midnight oil and so on. And a lot of times it's hard for founders like me to get good quality sleep because we're always thinking about, you know, the next big thing. (laughs) It's just in our nature to do that. On a cruise ship, there's a few things that can minimize uh, the the things that prohibit you from, from enjoying rest. One Cruise ships have very poor Wi-Fi, so no one can get a hold of you. <laughs> Two, the swaying of the boat actually lulls you to sleep. I mean, it's it's real. Uh, so <laughs> it's so real, and I'm such a big fan of it. The the swaying allows me to sleep past seven a.m., which is impossible for me to do outside <laughs> of, of that environment. I'm, I, I I'm not like the that. guy like doing the bongo lines or you know the the crazy cruise like parties i am just there to get rest so i want to set the record straight on that i like that i think i think that's a really critical piece especially like you know we're talking about accountants and and both of us having been in this space for so long we know the lack of sleep that oftentimes comes along with it i just posted recently about um you know, the mental health uh, impacts sometimes that a job like this has on folks. And so it's so hypercritical to really unplug. And sometimes I guess lack of Wi-Fi kind of forces that. So I think that's a, it's a unique way to uh, to pose it, but certainly a, a very valuable lesson I think that we can all probably learn from. <laughs> yeah, well, I know we're probably likely to talk about automation at some point during this call, but I, I think that's where the significance of automation Helps, right? So, because historically in accounting, we're just used to like grinding it out during a short month and close period. I've always just been accustomed of you got to get through it. But with automation solutions like Zora and Gapify, we can distribute that work so it's not so compact in in a certain period. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. Um, So, one of my favorite questions to ask is, and this is a little bit self serving, but I'm so curious. How do you think of the holistic, say, uh, uh, accounting process? Like, I think of it as order to revenue or quote to cash or quote to revenue. Like, how do you think of that process and, and how would you dub it? Or when you talk about it in your day-to-day life, how, how do you think about it? Yeah, well, some from someone who has spent many years in SOX compliance, and that's actually how I started my career. Every company or client that I had named it differently, right? You have OTC, order to cash. You have quote yep. to cash. You have lead to cash. You have lead to revenue. Um, yep. But I think the angle, and I'll try to like be concise about explaining this. The angle I'm coming from now as a CEO 
I understand the importance of management reporting Mm -hmm. and the types of questions you get from investors and analysts. So um, people want to break down like what my gap revenue is by lead source, right? So what marketing channel did it come from? Is it outbound, inbound events? Um, And show me what the attributed revenue is on a gap basis after 606. So in order for you to think about it that way, you really have to think about it all the way from the beginning starting point of the revenue cycle, for lack of better words. I call Mm -hmm. it lead lead to reporting. I I think that's the most comprehensive. So that's a new one that I haven't seen anywhere else. All right. I'm going to add it in as an example and see who else jumps on that. I like it. I'm starting a new trend here, lead to reporting, LTR. <laughs> LTR, lead to reporting. I'm going to start adopting that. I like it. Now, you just mentioned CEO. So I'm sure everybody's really curious about your journey, what it looks like from accountant to CEO and founder. Like, tell me about that. Well, believe it or not, my journey to founder led or came from my nature as an accountant, <laughs> uh, as, a, as a problem solver, right? So I spent many years, I just mentioned, uh, doing Sarbanes-Oxley compliance. Uh, my firm also is a very small firm. We also help implement SaaS solutions and help uh, enterprises scale their accounting operations globally. And as I got my hands on like several dozen clients, it was just very clear that automation was lacking. Mm-hmm. And so from my perspective, I saw this incredible opportunity to to, to make an impact and make a difference to the profession that I love and care about. And, and so it really based on the necessity that I saw in the market is what prompted me to start Gapify. Like I don't have this, you know, um, insane like goal of being like a, a trillionaire someday. I think, you know, <laughs> obviously solutioning for the market and the profession yeah, just means a lot to me. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, like so many in our profession really are passionate about what we do and and where we come from and where we're going and how we can help make the lives better for those of us or those around us. And I know like your LinkedIn profile, for example, says you're a proud accountant. So we're all celebrating accountants here on the show and curious like what that has really meant to you. Like, why are you proud of being an accountant and how do you feel about the accounting profession in general? Well, you know, it really starts from, uh, you know, fast forward as, as quickly as I can. Um, so mm-hmm. I grew up in a pretty humble, like blue collar, like, you know, town where people don't really have access to like corporate America and capital markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, accounting was so special because it gave me the opportunity to kind of carve out a niche within that you know, broader corporate world, then be able to grow into it. Right. So it, it was like kind of the, the door that opened that world to me, which I appreciate. Like being an accountant, not only, you know, obviously you have an incredible uh, and important role in that ecosystem because trusted financial statements make capital markets work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was just grateful for that opportunity to pursue a world that I didn't think I had access to otherwise. Um, But then beyond that, just the learnings that you get from accounting, and you know this, like we get to ask Every department in a business, what do you do? What do you do? So yeah. the information that, and the growth opportunity in accounting is just great, which is why it's it's an important part of my identity. I'm curious, in starting your company, was it sort of a vision that you saw and, and developed over a, a long period of time? Were you just sort of like, all right, let's try it and see what happens? Like, how did that go from 
the work that you were doing into, boy, I can really do something more with this? And what what kind of gave you that kickstart to take the leap and, and start your own company? Yeah, well, I was always um, first passionate, but I always was very confident about the market needs because I saw it enough in the clients that I service. Um, and the problem set that I really saw was you take that monthly close checklist and go up and down every single line item and you can find opportunities to automate. So I had confidence in that. And which is why, like as a risk averse account, I wasn't overly concerned that we wouldn't be able to make something work. Um, in fact, what we, and it's still true to this day, like what I learned as I started the company was my scope. I wanted it to be like this uh, because there's so much, you know, again, opportunities to automate what our investors, our board and management team have all uh, you know, kind of emphasized over time is that there has to be focus, right? So that's why we, we started with a cool management. There's a lot of great um, opportunities to automate there can't do you know, all these other areas um, all at the same time. So being methodical about you know, which, which areas to attack first was um, a, a big realization I had as, as we were growing the company. Hey there, I'm M. Daigle, Passionate Revenue Accountant and General Manager for Zora Revenue. I've been working on something really exciting that I don't think you're going to want to miss. On September 12th, we're going to be hosting our very first Modern Accounting Summit with our friends at EY, PwC, and Deloitte. It's a virtual event, and we're offering CPE credits for it. So please join us as we talk about our State of Revenue Accounting report. We're also going to be talking about generative AI as it relates to accounting workflows. And we're going to have a roundtable discussion with a number of accounting leaders. So again, you're not going to want to miss it. And if you can't join us live, please still register because you'll be eligible for those CPE credits even when you watch on demand. Hope to see you there. Let's jump to the general ledger. Now, in dealing with all of these different clients and customers that you have, what do you see as one of the top challenges that revenue or, or uh, general accountants have today? You keep mentioning like the month end. I'm just kind of curious if that's where you see most of that that challenge or if it's more broad. I mean, I would have to say, you know, from a revenue perspective, I have seen and felt the, the agony uh, <laughs> in that area for so many years. And I can see why it's it's really easy to see why. And first of all, top line has more focus than, than other parts of the P&L. Um, and that, you know, rightfully so. And it's the same with, with our business. Um but the volume of data needed to do everything in that cycle, that lead to reporting cycle, uh, the amount of data involved and the amount of processing and technical prowess involved to get these numbers right. <laughs> yeah, I can see your, from your reaction. I hear you. I hear you. Like I started with 97.2, then it went 08.01, and now it's 6.06. Like, geez, when you th- think you have something figured out, you know, something new gets thrown your way. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. it's fun, fun and crazy at the same time. Yeah. It keeps us busy and keeps us employed, I guess. <laughs> That's very Now, cool. I think, you know, technology contributes to accountants being viewed a little bit more differently, right? Like, I think now I'm hearing more about accountants being viewed more as a value center, um, whereas before it was sort of, you know, accounting is this 
wall that's built to just really make things more difficult. And so I see accountants being considered more as like a partner to the business, but curious your point of view on what you're hearing from your customers and the overall accounting community around technology and how that's helping to maybe change the view of how accountants are seen um, in in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, And it's a very relevant topic these days. I think it's the themes here are a big part of why we're seeing the mass exodus that we're seeing in the profession, which Mm -hmm. is we have these newer and I'm like dating myself or making myself sound old, which I guess I am. Um, <laughs> the new generation of accounts are wanting to focus more on strategy and for good reason, right? You don't go yeah. to school. You don't get your CPA license to learn how to process an AR um, cash application. Like that should be automated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the value though, if we can rely on automation to do the mechanical work, the value that we accounts bring is our subject matter expertise and financial reporting. And for us to be that value center, we have to partner with a business. We have to get a better understanding and more in-depth understanding of, you know, what marketing is looking to accomplish with an event, because that can impact the way pre-paid is handled, or maybe the way red, 606 revenue is attributed or for, for reporting. Um, and we have not historically spent enough time doing that. And so there is, it, it is really in my hope that, you know, obviously solutions, amazing solutions like Zora. And others can help accountants finally focus on that value add part of their responsibility. Um, and if automation doesn't do that for our profession, then and we're going to be we're going to be hurting. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think there's this there's this um, dichotomy right now because we want to automate, we want this technology to help us, and then we hear about. And I'm going to bring up like the topic that everybody talks about right now, but. Um, like AI, right? And so there's this this notion of is AI going to take over our jobs, right? And what is that going to do with the role of accounting? So curious your thoughts on that. I know you've been testing the waters a little bit on LinkedIn with some surveys and some thoughts, which I would love to dive into here with you. Yeah, well, and I've also um, exp- I've been experimenting with some of the technologies out there, and you know, obviously in my role, that's that's important. Uh, but I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of our customers about how they feel you know, about the topic. And I, and I guess what I'll say um, is that like from a technology perspective, it is it should be a catalyst to to get to the point that we uh, talked about previously, which is getting accounts to a point where they can be more strategic. AI cannot be strategic in the, based on the nature of how we have to apply roles, understand business context. Uh, it can support with the data gathering process, and it should. Um, but because it does that doesn't mean there's no room for accountants to provide, you know, kind of the human element that's needed to, to make this all work. Um, yeah. And so I get like how the, not, and oh gosh, I'm, I'll voice this as an open concern. I think the broader market outside of accounting has this perception that all we do in accounting is invoice processing, right? Like all day. <laughs> You joke them, oh, you got out of life with invoice processing, good for you. And no, that's not what we were doing. We were filing yeah. 10Qs at 10Ks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for the public to like really take broad strokes out and say, hey, AI can do invoice processing, therefore accountants are useless is just categorically false. And, uh, you know, I hope the narrative changes because it has an impact to us in accountants. And so if folks on the outside are thinking that, 
and socializing the idea that AI will replace accounts. And we hear that, that we may not want to adopt that technology, even though in reality, it's, it's helping supplement what we do uh, as accountants. So I hope that narrative changes, uh, but it's been tough. I, it has been, but I agree. And the more I talk about it, the better I feel. And I think there are ways we can leverage AI, but it won't necessarily take over. It'll actually make us stronger um, in our profession, which is, I feel like, to our benefit and, and a pretty cool aspect if we can get over the fear, fear factor of it, right? Um, now, as a former accountant, what advice would you give to uh, accounting leaders, maybe even individual contributors on how to partner with the business? Like, how can you become that value center that we we just spoke of? And how can we change the way in which maybe this this profession is thought of? Yeah, that's a really good question. And something that jumped out my mind as you, you were asking that is, just the relationship aspect, right? So when you're partnering with the business, it is a partnership, right? So you have to develop rapport. You have to connect. And I think a lot of us in accounting, especially again, I, I, you know, going back to me being an oldie here, when I, and I don't know if it was similar with you, Ham, but an audit, it was very transactional, right? Like we need these sample sizes. Okay, thank you, bye. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> We even see that in this industry, like, oh yeah, monthly close checklist. I'm supposed to reach out to you for this. And then that's it. I think for this next generation, it has to be, hey, product manager, let's go have a lunch. Like, let's get to know each other because I need to collaborate with you and partner with you. And I know that's not like the, the technical probably answer to, to your question, but I do believe that the relationships have to be strong for, for people to collaborate in this very dynamic environment. As we end here, I just wanted to think about the future of accounting. I think there is this notion of um, accountants being the, I pick things up, I put them down. I pick things up, I put them down. And, and, it, and that's not the case, right? I think maybe sometimes we're forced into that sort of um, motion given the tools we are provided with sometimes or what we aren't provided with and need to make do with. Um, but I think it's also up to us a little bit as well. Like, how do you think about folks like yourself and and me and other accountants who are still part of this community and really passionate? How can we help reverse that trend in, in how um, the accounting profession is seen so we can really become those collaborative partners in the business um, instead of those, you know, robots just trying to do month-end close or um, processing invoices. You know, you, you brought up some really great examples of things that I think people's minds automatically go to with accountants. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's not like a, um, a quick uh, resolution by any means, but it ties the points that we've been talking about and um, something that you also just brought up which is we have to kind of be mechanical sometimes because we have so much stuff stuff to do. I was going to mm -hmm. use a different word. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we have no choice, but just to like get what we need and move on because we have a million other things to do. So mm -hmm. how do we change that? Like, I think we all have to raise our hand and find automation opportunities that will help us reduce that workload, right? It's, it's the only, it's a top-down way of, of solving this, this issue. Like we're going to be transactional. We're not going to be a value center. 
we're so bogged down with mechanical tasks. We have to invest in technology. And it's up to us accountants to raise our hand and say, hey, we need um, you know, Zora for billing. Um, we need Gapify for accruals. And we can't expect leadership to really say, hey, you need this, you need that. Like, it should come from us. And if we can you know, have the, uh, if we can be a little bit more assertive with that, uh, then put ourselves in position to procure a, a system, then implement it, and then be able to get away from the mechanical work so we can be more of a value driver to the business. Agreed. That's a perfect example of that strategic aspect of the job that we can really elevate what it is and uh, that accountants do, how they are seen, and how we're thinking, right? So I think that's a that's actually a perfect example. For anybody kind of thinking about maybe an alternative career path, what are some options you see or what are some recommendations you might make to someone who's thinking about their next move or where they could go with an accounting career? I, I may be a little bit biased here, Em, but I think it <laughs> yields so many options compared relative to other job functions. Um, and I think like our exposure to the business broadly gives us some uh, some optionality there. So, you know, obviously product management, working for a software company in the accounting space is, is one natural way. Um, systems and IT is another natural way because you know, a lot of uh, what the uh, financial transactions are driven by are our systems, but also like I, for the revenue accounts, I, I, I don't know if you've seen this as well. They can become rev ops, then they become sales ops. Then all of a sudden they're an AE or like, you know, some kind of account management function. So I've seen all sorts of different pathways and that's why I'm, you know, again, such a big proponent of the profession. It opens a lot of doors. What bums me out though, is just the folks leaving the profession because we cannot automate fast enough for them. It's totally cool with me if you're an accountant and you have aspirations for a new role, but if you're leaving because you couldn't automate accounting processes, it's a bummer. It is. It is. That's like we've almost failed ourselves um, to to not be able to take advantage of technology that is very much available. It's how we choose the right solutions, how we implement them, and and how we use them in our day-to-day lives to really make sure that we're holding on to that talent so we're not losing it for the reasons that are um that that we shouldn't right and so i think that that's a fabulous point now final question for you what's the one sort of non obvious insight that you wish that your clients or customers knew mm, that's a really good question um so I think technology now, and I'll have to tie this into the AI conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. There are definitely a lot of, there is definitely a lot of interest in figuring out how AI can apply to um, not only our technology, but across the board, you're hearing more and more. Actually, the biggest like board topic from last quarter, and this is widely known, uh, the biggest board discussion centered around AI um, last quarter, and I think it will be for the next quarter to come as well. Yeah, so for us, Gapify specifically, it's definitely in our radar. So, you know, we, we obviously are focused on our current roadmap, but the application of AI and the way it can help our customers is something where insight that we wish, you know, we, and we don't want to like over index against AI either because we want to be careful and prudent about our, our analysis and position our product properly, but it's definitely part of the calculus now. Yeah, I feel like we've got to be so cognizant and keep it 
in the purview, but without letting it take over. And so I think there's a balance there, right, to figuring out, making sure we're aware of it, taking advantage of it where we can, but not putting ourselves into a, a reactionary mode where we are, like you said, over-indexing on that. So, um, you know, in general, a, a very great point, but something I think everybody should really be thinking about um, and and have it kind of top of mind here, especially in the next couple of quarters as we figure out what all of this means. <laughs> right. I love GPT-4 for recommending Mexican mole restaurants like around me. It's a <laughs> case for that. <laughs> I, I recently saw someone that actually had their entire vacation itinerary drawn out within three or four minutes and literally had down to restaurants transportation to take and how long it would take them to get there. So it's really a wild tool. I just need to figure out how to make it um, help help it make me a better parent. <laughs> haven't figured out that piece yet, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, AI. Yeah. Well, Jotham, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It's been a true pleasure chatting with you and uh, look forward to having you back again. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. <laughs>